Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 16th, 2013. I always start off the broadcast by advising newcomers to look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and use the archive section there. You'll find lots and lots of audios for free download where I go through the system that we're born into. And it truly is a system, a well-organized system that, that, that knows exactly where it's going to by those that lead it to the top. And it's a system planned a long time ago using many, many fronts. In fact, it pays for many fronts. Many of them are NGOs, in fact, because the big foundations got together actually over a hundred years ago to direct the world and the, the, the direction it's going into uh, for a, a scientifically designed system, basically. And that's where we're heading today. We're, we're in a transition phase right now. But this century, for the century of change, the 21st century, is a century where all the old um, ideas of uh, ultimate liberty for those who were behind all the revolutions in the past uh, and still today, in fact, would get all the things that they'd planned to, to get this new society. But it's not the utopia that they talk about, really. It's a planned society where it definitely has a class system. But even the class system, they, they hope through science they can phase out eventually because of the gen- genetic engineering, which is really going full steam ahead. So we're simply a, a transitory phase, at least this generation right now, as we go through the big, big changes and into globalization. And of course, those who run the system and set it up were the richest folk at the, on the planet at the time. They formed their private clubs and they run governments. We don't elect them. Private corporations and the top bankers of the planet run really the, really the governments. It's very, very simple. And they call themselves a parallel government in actual fact they're the real governments. They even put their own members of these private clubs in as prime minister or, or presidential candidates off, off the left wing and the right wing. And they've been doing it for a long, long time. So help yourself to the website and remember that you bring me to you. You can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, which help keep me ticking over. And in the books, too, I go through the art of chronology down through the ages because chronology runs the world. And everything is chronology, really, even basic education is chronology when you understand what's behind the principles of education and, who, and really what they want out of the, the people or the students because they want a uniform society, all politically correct, all standardized, and really any, any dissenting voice on any particular topic, whatever, is simply ostracized and out of the group. And that's how it's done. Standardization is a big thing we're going through today. And if you get, yes, if you buy the books, you'll find out how it's been done down through the ages. These arts are very old, old arts indeed. And today they really truly are sciences which run the minds. And the top, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, behaviorists, and uh, think, thinkers to do with uh, the mind itself and, and neuroscientists all work with government. Big, big think tanks working on behavior and designed behavior. Our perception, perceptions are managed. They call it perception management done through mass media. That's all on board with it and owned by, as I say, the parallel government. 
So as I say, it's a long, long story, but go through the archive section and start to wake up to what reality is. It's not Disneyland at all. It's not fun because we're going through a really tough times right now as we're through austerity, planned austerity, planned long before the bank crashes came along. In fact, they needed the bank crashes to happen in order to bring in austerity in a post-consumerist society. They talked about this back in the 1970s, the top think tanks that work with the United Nations, like the Club of Rome. So they bring on the, 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 the crisis that they, they, they need to get the things done, and we're still going through them. We'll get more crisis on the go to, through different areas of society to get all the rest of the changes too in the next few years. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix And as I said before, many, many times Most folk don't know what reality is Reality to them is what comes from television In fact, the characters you see on television Are often more real today Than people they actually know Because they don't know many people And not very well at that Because they spend more time in front of television uh, Than they do uh, talking to real people most of the time And um, that's why they like certain shows For instance, community-type shows Like held in bars Where everybody meets in a bar And it's all sitting around the bar Things like that Or or even Seinfeld It's something that you can relate to And you wish you had that kind of communication Even even zany friends like that Because most folk don't have any real friends So to speak And um, that's why they like these things And psychology plays a big part In creating these kind of shows for television They know what the public are craving And they, they give them a fake a substitute basically and folk tune in every single night of the week whenever these series come up you see so we're well understood we always have been well understood but today as we go into our little boxes really this new cyber box you might say we're into but, but then the, the big boys are really having a great time on us because they've got instant access to our daily occurrences whether we're up to talking on the cell phones or or emailing or whatever looking at the websites and so on they, they track all of that and the NSA and all the big boys at the top are also using it and they also give access to that to certain universities to do studies in all of us. And so uh, we're all all well understood. Each, each individual is well understood. I read an article a few years ago about from the Pentagon itself, there was an article they released, saying that they have a virtual you in, in the Pentagon in this massive computer program. So every citizen's got a virtual reality in there, and they update it daily with all the stuff that you put out there freely, and uh, and then they, they run tests on it to see how you would react in a situation in the virtual world, which works out to be much the same as you'll do in the real world. It's pretty accurate. So that's it's all to do with control. Absolute control means that everybody must be predictable. This is the the the, the tyrant's dream done through the ages. Tyrants generally are kind of paranoid to understand about things going wrong. And in the past, they used lots and lots of spies, mainly amongst their own people, down through the ages. But now they don't have to do that so much because we've all been given the computer. And I mean given it, in a sense, because if it was dangerous to the big boys and their big agenda, we'd never see the light of day. We'd never have seen it at all. But we're given it because it helps them to control all of us.
And then they get the people addicted to it, just like television, until they think they can't do without it. And as they start to take away all the rights and freedoms on the Internet, people will still stay at it, even though they're left with the mainstream media. It won't matter, because you can still get some porn or whatever else they they allow out there, you see. Everything's well understood uh, with humanity and how the psyche works. So we live in an age where science runs the world, and science on behalf of the masters who are the money boys at the top. And they truly do believe in eugenics too. They believe they're the most superior people at the top. Uh, And they prove it too because they've held on to wealth for generations. Very, very important that simply getting awfully, awfully rich isn't enough. You've got to be able to prove it uh, by going through genealogies. In other words, at least three or four, maybe five generations, maybe even more than that, at the very top, to show that that your offspring are pretty well, again, standardized like you are at the top. And uh, and they'll be going to the same professions and mix and marry properly, meaning uh, they'll have they'll be matched up by outsiders with their mate and again powerful families, and uh, and then they'll have offspring too for their own progeny. That's how they live through their progeny, you see, down through the ages. So we're living through a scientific society. Now, even though the weather is controlled today, there's nothing new in this at all. They've been uh, tampering with the weather even during World War II and afterwards as well, using different chemicals and techniques. And all this talk about geoengineering is all PR stuff, really, because the big boys at the top know they've been geoengineering us steadily on a pretty well daily basis across most of the, uh, the world for since 1998. And I can remember the first day it really started in earnest because the aircraft were about half the height they are today. And and there was far more off them as they put down their first big trails. And they literally were in a, in a checkerboard fashion. It was astonishing. It was like walking into sci-fi. And that was reality. It's astonishing. And since then, the weather's been altered. And they often kind of let leaks out to the bag here and there that, that's, uh, yes, the things definitely are being altered. Now, the big boys, too, at the top, have got a sort of futures market going, derivatives and so on, to do with the food supply of the planet. And what's amazing, too, that came out as a new thing, global manipulation of foodstuffs across the world to the best, the highest buyers. And at the same time as all the chemtrailing started, and once it got really underway, uh, out, out they came uh, starting making profits on it by betting on which countries will have famines because of drought or flooding. And they're pretty accurate now. Isn't it amazing? The same guys just happen to be pretty accurate with their guesses at the same time when they're manipulating the weather. Now, weather warfare uh, uh, treaties have been signed at the United Nations since about 1970. And they've been updated over different over the years uh, with things added to them. But back in the first treaty, that actually said that it was now possible to, uh, in fact, it actually said that it made the atom bomb obsolete, weather warfare. They could decimate a country so fast and so easily and, in, and invisibly. I mean, who are you going to blame if the person, the ones behind it, don't admit to it? And they said they could use HARP as a high-altitude uh, aerial research program which uses uh, radio frequencies, high-powered, and pulsation, uh, along with the, the spraying, uh, and, um, and literally altered the wear into anything they wanted it to be. It caused drought, caused flood, it could cause earthquakes, and that was back then. So they signed an international treaty not to use it on each other in warfare. But all the treaties that they signed at the United Nations means they can also use it upon their own people at home. That's okay. 
So, it's been going on, even though the, not one government will come out and talk about it. They've all been told to shut up. Now, here's an article here. Uh, it's, uh, it's not startling, but I can understand uh, the website itself. It's, it's called aircrap.org. And aircrap, naturally, like all media today, has to get a, a headline grabber. Uh, and it's, but it's not startling, really. But it says, top geoengineer confronted in Berkeley and admits discussing poisoning the sky. And it actually says that uh, the top geoengineer Ken Caldera, or Calderia, proposes spraying chemtrails in their skies to blunt the worst effects of global warming. But when confronted with a, a geoengineering debate in Berkeley, he was forced to admit there'd been no global warming for at least 17 years. And he said it had leveled off. And that when he worked at a nuclear weapons lab, at one time, because most of these guys understand uh, that they put forward to do these things, all worked in the weapons industry and scientific industries for weaponry. So he worked in a nuclear weapons lab. He discussed poisoning the sky back then, and because that was part of the things he discussed, uh, weapons war- we- uh, warfare. Putting pathogens in a cloud to rain down on your enemy and do chemical and germ warfare. Then that, was, that goes back to the 1950s, what he's talking about there, because Teller, that made the H-bomb, was the first guy to say uh, they can use polymers, and polymers give you a kind of thin, plasticky look, like, like the stuff you use for, in your basements to hold the, the insulation in, basically. It gives an effect in the sky like polymers, and the polymers were designed to contain uh, viruses or bacterium, depends on what the load is to be, and they can carry it to its target and rain it down. So this guy, who's now into um, chemtrails and geoengineering, uh, it's just a continuation of what he's been doing for years, basically. Nothing new that at all. I'll put this link up tonight, because there's a little uh, video with it, and you can watch it for yourselves. Now, everyone knows, too, that there's a, we're living in forms of slavery down through the ages. And Charles Galton Darwin, in his book called The Next Million Years, very good book to read, actually, because it shows you uh, not just the arrogance of those at the top or those who work for those at the top, the scientific boys. Uh, and Charles Galton Darwin was a physicist. He worked on the Manhattan Project. Uh, he did, in his book, say that we uh, up at the top must retain our wildness. Because man has to have be, like any animal, uh, has to have these wild instincts to survive. Whereas the, the people should be domesticated, the public, uh, because, and, and it says the state will be making all their decisions for them, so they won't need these instincts for survival. And it's, hence you have all the massive ge- uh, uh, psychoengineering on the public today and the school children as well. But anyway, he did go through uh, ways of, of using various hormones, for instance, to to alter the, the general public, uh, especially the males, and effeminize them. Then they wouldn't be so aggressive when it came to massive changes. And he said, we can put it in the water, we can inject it in some, put it in their food, and so on. And of course, spraying from the sky was one one way of doing it too. However, they can also put it in, in, the, in the pesticides that they, they uh, use on the on the on. And actually, it isn't the pesticides too? Xenoestrogens. Uh, that's uh, that's basically synthetic estrogens. It's in the pesticides which they dump in all the crops. So you're eating that too. So it gets in you one way or another. So this kind of warfare is nothing nothing new at all. But also to do with uh, the system of so-called fairness. As I say, the boys at the top. 
are always pushing democracy. They don't believe in it at all. They believe in a scientifically controlled society like H.G. Wells and his shape of things to come, who belong to the Fabian society. And a scientific elite should rule the world on behalf of the masters at the top, which we have today. So the weather is controlled. We find that um, we're all slaves in one form or another, like Charles Galton Darwin says. And he says there's always been slavery in one form or another. And today we're making a more sophisticated form of slavery. That was back in the 1950s, while you're living through it today. Now, most folk have been trained out of uh, simply having basic rights now and privacy. And they're accepting gradually that authoritarian specialists have the right to rule over them and agencies of government. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. And just before I get off the topic of uh, geoengineering, getting back to the fact that uh, geoengineering is nothing new, and under the guise of geoengineering too, most of these guys have worked for the warfare industry in the past because governments really into this in a big way of of, uh, raining down different things from the sky on enemies. And they have been for an awful long time. And just like the bacterial warfare, viral warfare, but they also have chemical warfare. And some viruses too, you can look up yourself, the viruses which can attack all plastics, for instance, they can spray that from the sky, everything will start to disintegrate. Rubber for your tires, and uh, other ones which will attack brick even, and stone, uh, other ones wood. Etc. So they have, literally have so much, so many specialized things of weaponry to do with disintegrating or things we need. It's just astonishing. Never mind the foodstuffs and all of that too. So these are the guys who are now into geoengineering to save us all. You know, just like Monsanto and Dow Chemical uh, work together, Agent Orange uh, in warfare, and now they're into pesticides and growing your food because they love you. You know, same kind of thing going on. And we're always sold all wonderful PR by them and their marketers of how they really want to help the planet. And what they want to do, of course, is to take over the food supply, the whole planet, and have the patents on all of it so you can't even save any seeds and plant it again. That's what it's about. Total control. But that's the way that the world really works. Now also, too, this new world order, as it's often called, and Professor Carl Quigley, who was the historian uh, for the Council on Foreign Relations and American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, private organization, again, one of the biggest elite clubs there is, which also ran and created the Trilateral Commission, Bilderbergs and all the rest of it, and the World Trade Organization and the Bank for International Settlements, the International Monetary Fund, etc., 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 this private organization that runs all of our lives through economics, um, they also are, are, are into setting up corporations in this new feudal system, as quickly called it, because this is a new feudal system where corporations run the world with, in collusion with governments, you see. And they put their own boys in and out of governments all the time. Look at the, look at the, the resumes of those who apply to get into government and politics. And the top tier are always ex-CEOs of corporations. Once they've served a little bit in, in government, they're back into the same positions again, in and out like musical chairs. Now, the average person lives in fear, and that's how the general public are run by law. Law is to do with um, 
basically intimidation, coercion, and there was threats, and most folk comply when threat comes along, and then the use of force ultimately to not only uh, get what they want from for government, but also to terrify everybody else, because to make sure they all know about it. And um, but the, the big boys themselves, uh, for instance, they don't worry about taxes and things because they have so many special privileges. And a, a long time ago, uh, even at the very start of the Cold War, even before the Cold War, big corporations worked in collusion with government all the time and got lots of funding, especially for war products, to save us all again. And that has never stopped even before World War II started right through it to the, to the present time. And so we have this strange uh, uh, system of teaching the public that we're all democratic and we have private industries. In reality, the, the top companies are always getting handouts from government, N- not just loans, but handouts, grants, gifts. And here you have one here. It says, a sweetheart deal between the HM Revenue, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs in, in England, and Goldman Sachs. Now, Goldman Sachs are like the big kingpin in the world for, for not just banking uh, and, uh, industry, but also Goldman Sachs uh, is one of the biggest companies that owns lots and lots and lots of other companies, even many of the corporations that are, are household names to do with the warfare industry itself. And folk, so they're not really independent at all, those little companies or big companies. They're actually under, owned by the top bankers. But so anyway, the, the, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs um, went after Goldman Sachs, but it says, it says that, uh, that the procedure during the little case that they had there was flawed but not unlawful, the High Court has ruled. So they've ruled in favour of Goldman Sachs and the decision that was made. So the judge listed a number of HMRC failings, including David Harnett, then Permanent Secretary for Tax, wrongly taking into account the potential embarrassment to Chancellor George Osborne if the settlement worth up to £20 million did not go through. And it says Mr. Harnett initially shook hands on the deal November 19, 2010, following a long-running dispute with Goldman Sachs over national insurance contribution payments dating back to the 1990s. Mr. Justice Nichols, City in London, said it was not a glorious episode in the history of the revenue, but he ruled case uh, uh, law, he says, showed that... Uh, Maladministration and illegality were separate issues, and allowing the deal to go ahead was not itself unlawful. So they can make exceptions for the big boys, but God help the little guy uh, that they just can't uh, uh, balance his own books for government. They don't get any any of this kind of stuff. But so, it's, of course, we live in a a class system, very much a class. Actually, worse than it used to be. It's worse than the folk actually imagine, because many of the left-wing NGOs and so on are funded by the foundations, which these big corporations own, under the guise of philanthropy. And also, too, three mass graves with a thousand corpses have just been found in Iraq. And it says here... Uh, the Iraqi officials have found three mass graves containing the boys of about 1,000 people thought to have been executed by U.S. soldiers during their occupation of the country. The graves were uncovered in Iraq's western province of Al-Anbar and are from victims uh, killed by U.S. forces during 2004 and 2005. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix Talking about the mass graves found in Iraq I'll put this link up tonight too I'll put them all up, all these articles I mentioned At cuttingthroughmatrix.com at the end of the broadcast And you can read them for yourselves It's a good idea to keep them too If they're interesting to you Because uh, we're living in an age Like Orwell said That important stuff goes down the memory hole Nothing's on paper now It just goes, you know, just gets wiped off and it's gone And who can you tell in the future? You know, who can you tell? And, and what are you going to show them? Now, also, the uh, UK, the top companies, the big corporate companies, there's nothing new in this again, condemned for prolific use of tax havens in Malta. So the 100 biggest public companies are running more than 8,000 subsidiaries or joint ventures in onshore and offshore tax havens, according to research published Monday, raising fresh concerns about the full extent of corporate tax avoidance. And uh, avoidance apparently is okay, it's evasion, it's bad. It's all to do with with wording in the law. But the figures published by the charity Action Aid show that only two of the companies listed in the UK's FTSE 100 have no subsidiaries in tax havens, while companies such as Barclays and Tesco own hundreds. Well, that's standard. They've been teaching this stuff in universities for years to tax to guys who are trained to be tax specialists for the corporations. So nothing will happen about it because it's not illegal for them. And another article came out too, it came out, came out last year as well, but this is an update on it, and it says here that um, after U.S. diplomatic cables released by WikiLeaks showed that the State Department was lobbying worldwide for Monsanto and other similar corporations, a new report based on the cables show Washington's shilling being pushing for the biotech industry in distinct detail. The August 2011 WikiLeaks revelation showed that American diplomats had requested funding to send lobbyists for the biotech industry to hold talks with politicians and agricultural officials in target countries in areas like Africa and Latin America, where genetically modified crops are not yet a mainstay, as well as some European countries that have resisted the controversial agricultural practice. So governments are anything but neutral in this day and age when you have this complete blending of corporations, big money, and government itself. And it's a standard practice today. It's kind of a form of warfare, really, you know. And, of course, the countries will uh, say, no, we don't want it. Well, when it comes to, to getting in deals done with the U.S. on trade or anything like that, then, of course, uh, the U.S. will block it until they give in. Everything's done this way. Also, this article is quite amazing, too. It says, National Cyber Security Alliance. We all know this. there's all this stuff going on about hacking, all these big conferences going on, and so on. So there's National Cyber Security Alliance and the LGBT Technology Partnership launch Internet Safety Initiative for LGBT Community. So they've got special safety so that they uh, can do their, their stuff in private uh, and the general public can't. It doesn't, it doesn't work today to be, to be, not to be in a minority of some kind. You know, you have to find one to belong to, maybe create one. Anyway, this is the National Cybersecurity Alliance, a non-profit public-private partnership focused on helping all digital citizens stay safer and more secure online, announced today a new collaboration initiative with the LGBT Technology Partnership to encourage greater awareness about cybersecurity and safety issues for lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender communities. So I wonder how much money they'll get from the government for that. It's great to be in these charities today, you know. Uh, and uh, it's got a good cause sort of thing. You also have to get a, a, a cause that's now politically correct, preferably the latest cause, and you're more, you're more a chance of getting the cash funding that you're after. That's quite profitable.
So I'll put this up tonight too. And also this other article to do with it too. The EEOC's draft plan targets recruiting and hiring practices, LGBT bias, pregnancy accommodation, ADAAA issues. They should issue dictionaries today, shouldn't they, to do with all these associations and organizations. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity, that's what they call the EEOC, has laid out several principles and priorities in its draft strategic enforcement plan that reveal an agency poised to enforce anti-discrimination laws in the most efficient and effective way possible. The EEOC also makes clear exactly what problems it intends to target going forward, including systemic recruitment and hiring practices that are intentionally biased or have an unintentional adverse impact on minorities, women and people with disabilities, etc. So now they're going into uh, the latest ones, which of course is is, uh, LGBT and so on. And a big article on that, so I'll put that up tonight too. Remember as well, that uh, many of the big boys that comes from foreign relations, for instance, and, and the Rockefeller Foundations, another example too, uh, have published many articles about the future of governance. And governance today is, is to bypass the general public, the silent majority, they call them, and, and have uh, official spokespeople from NGOs, non-governmental organizations. That's the new form. When they mean demo- say democracy, that's what they mean by it. They, they don't mean the general population. Uh, so they want an organized core of people who say they represent the public, but of course you don't elect them. And that's why they get so much funding. They're also for radical change. You can't get the funding, by the way, from the government unless you're for, and the wording is radical change of all existing systems and institutions. And the comical part is uh, the biggest institutions, financial institutions, help finance them actually set them up, the foundations themselves, run by the top bankers of the world. So again, a lot of them are actually working, whether you like it or not, for the same establishment. They don't really like that when you, when you mention it, but that's the facts. That's the facts. They work for the, the biggest establishment, who obviously profit from it all. Also, when I put tonight too, but all the, the eco-friendly stuff, we know all about the, uh, the for instance, the, the so-called decono bulbs that they put out now, and all the warnings on ultraviolet light. So you're getting burned from them. And now they find that the LED lights, this is uh, studies that have been done, may cause blindness. So Spanish research has shown that blue LED light can irreparably damage the cells in the eye's retina. It's not the first time energy-saving bulbs have been criticized because the fluorescent bulbs emit the UV light as well. So it says here that uh, this, the, the light lights have been touted as a super efficient alternative to traditional bulbs because they use up to 85% less energy and each bulb can last up to 10 years. In April, Philips, the world's largest lighting maker, reported a 38% jump in LED light sales from last year. A Spanish study shows that the, the light emitted by LED bulbs can damage the cells in the retina and some experts are now calling for a filter to be fitted into the bulbs to help save the eye. They're already widely used in mobile phones, televisions, computer screens, and can also be fitted as a replacement for traditional lighting in the home, and and so on. So I'll put the whole study up tonight for those who want to read it or who care about it. And if your eyes aren't kaputs, then maybe you can still read it. I don't know. We'll see. And also, I want to also go to this particular article here because I've mentioned many times about how science is to run our lives, and it is running our lives, whether you like it or not. Most folk don't know it. I mean, neuroscientists work uh, big time with marketers, especially government marketers now. 
and to put ideas across to the public. And they call it nudging the public to, and to making the correct choices on things. You see, nudging. And, um, and they've gone further in some countries because under the, the United Nations big plan for the system, they pick certain countries for test beds. For, for, for studies and, and like, like a, basically a, a laboratory uh, to see how they can work out all the problems before letting it loose an entire planet. And we know too that, of course, that the family unit was one of the, the first things to be attacked with this system. They wanted to destroy the family unit as we all knew it, and they've pretty well done that. However, they also want the state to, to have that more say in the child's upbringing. In fact, they want the child to be literally the exact kind of citizen that they, they, they really prefer. In fact, now they demand it. So they're testing that out in Scotland, as I mentioned before. But here's an article, it's quite a good article, it's from Stuart Bolton. It says, a care plan sees a dystopian future arriving early. Now this, this guy apparently wrote a, a dystopian science fiction novel once, he says. It was to do with uh, Big Brother and so on. It says the conceit of this never-to-be-written book was a complete collapse of privacy illustrated by the supporters that everyone was given, or the support, that I should call them supporters, supplied by government, that everyone was given when they had a child. In this futuristic hell, as soon as a woman gave birth, a support worker would come and live in her house, both to help the parents with the difficult child and to protect the child from the potentially abusive parents. So this is going to be a novel. Since there were no longer an expectation or even an understanding of privacy, intimacy, trust, or even a relationship with and between parent and child in this novel. Rather, relationships were mediated through your own personal support worker, the state-supplied one. Unfortunately, this dystopian future has arrived a little faster than I imagined, as last week the Scottish government's plan to give every child a state guardian from birth was launched. This state-appointed overseer will be a specific named individual and every child will have one from birth. The responsibility for creating this named guardian will fall on the heads of the health boards for the first five years of a child's life before being transferred to local councils. Perhaps the most worrying aspect of this development is that it clearly comes in large part as a mechanism to target and prevent child abuse. Well, that's a cover for it. That's the cover for it. If you want the rest of the story, the real story, you have to go into the writings of Lord Bertrand Russell, who actually was given experimental schools to get the perfect world citizen created. And he helped to destroy the family unit too. Uh, he even had, uh, he got away with so much because he was given a royal charter to do things that the average citizen could never do in a school. But he was, he was promoting pu- pubertal sex between the children. Uh, and under the presumption, and he was correct too, that if they could hyper-actuate the senses and, and make the hyper-active uh, sexuality, then they'd never mate for life with a partner and have children. And uh, so he talked too about the state bringing up the child. He says, we used to think that uh, the state would have to bring up the child and, and separate them from their mother at birth. And then we'd, we'd feed into them the exact sort of uh, uh, character we wanted them to turn out to be. He says, but now, he said, with the parents, he says, we can actually, with kindergarten, he said, the indoctrination we give them in kindergarten, scientific indoctrination, he said, with these techniques, he says, even though we give them back to their child in the evening or in the afternoon, he says, the input from the parents will be negligible. It wouldn't work with the child. The conditioning was scientifically created. 
so that so the parents can still say stay as the economic provider. That's all their function would be. That's what it is today. Anyway, getting back to this article here, it says that concerns about this new statutory initiative built into the Children and Young People Bill have been raised by some members of Scottish Parliament, but largely on technical grounds. Can the state afford to have a supporter for every child? How will the state get to know this person, and how will they develop a trusting relationship with them? Children's Minister Aileen Campbell has said the approach would be useful in that a specific individual will have the responsibility for overseeing the well-being of specific children. Now, you better understand well-being uh, is a very important term because it's an official term for the boys at the top. And even the U.S. Uh, Treasurer has mentioned it, that they have to get off the GDP onto gross well-being. This is a big agenda they've got, and this is part of the well-being thing by bringing up a whole new generation of children with their own advocates, you might say, not within the family. It says, as she put it, this will make sure that there is someone having an overview of what's happening to the child to make sure that early indicators of anything that would pose a threat or risk to the child are flagged up. Now, what they're talking about is any, um, as Bertrand Russell called it, contamination of ideas from an older culture to the young. That's what he's, how he said it. And this is what this is about, to make sure the child is given no other thoughts except the ones that are laid out for them to think about in the same opinions. Uh, any other opinions will be a threat, you see. Part of the plan is that professionals increasingly share information with one another. There's so many organizations, new professional, it's, it's a growing industry, of course. This is, it's, and uh, they're, all, they're all given access to all the data on every single individual in Scotland. For your, through your whole life, by the way. This starts with a child, but it's to be lifelong learning, they call it, with advocates and, and psychological um, testing. So anyway, uh, the share information with one another and so on. It's just like the Every Child Matters approach in England and Wales. There were different names for different countries, but it's all the same thing. Safeguarding children is now a priority of anyone working with children, be the teacher, dentist, youth worker, swing teacher, and so on. And at one level, this sounds okay, anything that stops child abuse. On the other hand, it can be seen as having little to do with the problem of abused children and more to do with the culture of suspicion. It's not the case that families are more abusive today. What's changed is that our faith in one another and our belief in the importance of privacy has diminished. You've all been taught you don't need it, you see. You've all been taught you don't need it. Getting back to what I mentioned about Charles Galton Darwin, those who lead the world keep their wild instincts. Suspicion, you see. Instincts. Survival mechanisms. You won't need them because the state's taught you and they make all their decision, your decisions for you. Understand we're living through a script. The article says we have also lost a coherent sense of public duty and subsequently the child safety has become a new off-the-shelf framework that attempts to offer coherence to people running public services and professional bodies. It's arguable to what extent every child can really be protected by our new guardians or indeed that these named professionals will take seriously the need to keep an eye on nice families. And again, too, it's all going to be PC families. That's going to be nice ticks. or You'll get bad X marks, you see, along the little checkboard if you have the varying opinions outside of the what's the, promoted by the state. However, as the meaning of, of abuse and harm expands to include things like being bullied or even being shouted at, the potential for professional intervention into family life is growing. 
added this emphasis being placed on all child-related professionals to watch out for abuse and the suspicions and indeed corrosive nature of this approach is all too clear. Essentially, the idea of a specific person looking after the interests of a child coming with the name of father or mother has been lost from Scottish society, or at least lost within the corridors of power. Increasingly, decisions about the children's well-being are being taken out of our hands. Not just education, but sex, health, lifestyle, even political life is taught to children by people outside the home. It says in Dundee, where I live, I hear of cases where children are instructed to tell their parents that the school doesn't approve of the contents of the parent-provided lunchbox. Everywhere we hear of teachers reporting parents to social services for allowing their children to risk cycling to school. You get reported. The teachers report to you if your child, child cycled to school. And just about everywhere we have children being encouraged to tell their own parents off to, to, you know, for smoking or drinking at home. Now that technique was discussed again from the World Health Organization, how they would train the children to go home and start nagging their parents. That's been done for quite a few years now. The recognition of the importance of privacy, of the authority of parents and of the protection of this privacy and authority by society is declining fast. As he's researching this issue of the autonomous family, a hugely important building block for society, it's noticeable that at the level of policy, this idea has completely disappeared. There's no privacy. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and going through an article here to do with the, this brave new world order where everyone's to be given their own uh, government-mandated uh, guardian, basically, who's going to keep tabs off you throughout your life. And it might not be the same one through your entire life, they've one up to a certain age at school. And then it's, it's, called, it's all to do with lifelong learning, meaning lifelong upgrades. You're going to get upgraded to like a program throughout your whole life to, to make sure that you're on board with all the new PC stuff that's going to come down the pike. You've got to be politically correct in the system to serve the masters better, you understand. But it says here that today it's assumed that parenting is simply too hard. Remember, the Communist Manifesto was the destruction of the family unit. That was complete destruction of it. That was a big, big part of it. And then the ones, the radicals, the, the, the Trotskys and so on, the formed the left-wing parties after World War II, uh, still pushed that to the present day, destruction of the family unit. And, and so the state would take over. So the, the, the parent or parents, or the generally parents or parents, single parents now, uh, they get money from the government. So the government says, well, we have a right to come in and, and dictate the policy to this child. So anyway, it says, today it's assumed that parenting is simply too hard and children are simply too vulnerable and risks are simply too great to allow for the luxury called privacy. See? This is why nobody is attacking the new bill in defense of privacy and an autonomous family. He says, in my dystopian future, that this novel he was going to write, the hero Michael, who was an outsider to this not-so-brave new world, started off as a self-confident, well-adjusted, strong character, like the average guy used to, you see. By the end of the story, he had become a nervous, obsessively self-conscious, fragile, distrusting, and yet conformist individual. Accepting the need to abandon privacy, engage with the idea of risk, Especially in relationships, Michael's life soon became empty of true bonds or friendships. This loveless and bloodless existence led to 
and it says, but that would spoil the end. But then who needs a sci-fi novel when we have our very own state guardians? Welcome to my world. So, and this guy too who wrote this is a, is a sociology and criminology lecture, a lecturer at the University of Aberdeen, Dundee. So he, he deals with criminology and I can see why he's picked on this particular topic because it's, it's a crime what they're doing. There's no doubt about it as to big impacts of social engineering. Quite something, isn't it? I also put up another article to do with this too, um, to do with the early intervention. is another term they're using for the same thing. And that's where they want to issue one their own particular guardian. And I'll put this one up tonight too from Home Education Forums for those who want to see more of it. Also too, <laughs> I've, I've mentioned so many times that the best cons of all today and have been for a long time, actually, are charities. Charities are great for, for cons because folk open up their wallets and their hearts and, uh, and they're, they're, they're just born suckers, basically, for a very hard luck story comes along. Ethnic pools and emotion tends to open the wallet. So this is ringleader of $57 million Holocaust survivor fraud found guilty. Can you imagine $57 million? Fraud. Simon Domnister, the former claims conference employee who was charged with leading a fraud scheme at the Holocaust Restitution Organization, faces up to 20 years behind bars. What a con. $57 million, eh? So the verdict ended with a four-week trial, which two others, the names of Onsanka Romalis, Luba Kremish, also found guilty. 28 people charged in the fraud scheme had pleaded guilty earlier. Boy, oh boy. And the German government was paying it all out. Oh boy, I tell you. Anyway, that's the world we live in. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, me, your God, or your God's go with you. <laughs>